G'day legends and welcome back to the Cricket Mentoring Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the lessons from the T20 World Cup with myself, Tom Scolle, and our head mentor, Blake Reed. Reedy, how are you? Um, pretty cool to be honest, staying up late to watch, watch the game right to the end. Um, couldn't stop watching, it was seriously exciting cricket and so good to see um, a WA boy, Mitch Marsh, get us over the line. Yeah, absolutely. Mitch Marsh, a friend of ours here at Cricket Mentoring, someone I've known since he was quite young, so incredibly, incredibly pleased for Mitch and for the Aussie boys um, and Australia, the T20 champions for the first time ever. They were written off a lot throughout the tournament, um, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a little while, but yeah, we're both a bit tired after staying up late to watch it, um, but we thought we'd share a few lessons from what we saw um, from the match, obviously not just reporting on the match, but a few things we saw. So, ready in the New Zealand innings, you can kick us off. Um, first, first thing I noticed there was the Aussies' ability to adapt with the ball straight away. As soon as it didn't swing for Mitch Stark, they adapted and went cross seam to get some variation off the the shiny ball. Um, and I think that that paid off. It showed with the Mitchell dismissal, um, and then. Yeah, they, they were tied to Guptill and Williamson early on, who had to just sort of be aware of that and get through that tough period, I think. Yeah, and for me, I think that if you just look at the scorecard or you look at the highlights, you think Williamson absolutely smoked them and dominated, which he did, but in the second part of his innings. In the first part of his innings, like Guptill, he had to grind, and I think he was 17 off 18 or 18 off 19. Mm. It wasn't like he walked out and first ball, he absolutely smoked it. I think there was a... A Hazelwood or a Cummins over, he, there were five dots and he got a single off the last ball and he was one off seven at one point. So for, for young batters, young players, it's a, it's a really important message that you've got to give yourself a chance, especially when you do have a bit of time. Obviously, your, your hitters that come in later in the innings, they have to go from ball one. But someone like Williamson, who's batting at three and is a more of a traditional player, he really gave himself time and, and then he caught up later on. Yeah, I think... The biggest thing for Williamson's innings was he sensed the right overs and right moments to take the game on. Um, went after the fifth and sixth bowler um, with Australia going in with the extra bat. So I think that was a clear tactic from him. Um, and yeah, his touch game is exceptional and the way he manipulates the ball is as good as anyone in yeah. the world. Yeah, he, he manages to score all around the ground. and. He had a bit of luck, like he, like you say, he took Mitch Marsh on um, as the as the sixth bowler, with Maxwell sort of being the fifth. Got a few boundaries, and then Stark came back on, and he played that shot um, to fine leg, and, and he should have been caught. Josh Hazelwood dropped him, and, and fortunately for Hazelwood, he um, he bowled incredibly well, and he was one of the stars with the ball. But he cost Mitch Stark, and he cost his team a lot in the field. And for me personally, I think that there's no worse feeling than dropping a catch and letting your teammates down, especially if you drop the best player and he goes on to get lots of runs. So no doubt Hazelwood would have been sort of feeling awful, but he was able to put that behind him. He was able to still execute his skills when the ball, when he's sort of jolt, when it was his time. And you need a bit of luck as a batter, don't you? Yeah, that's it. Luck is always required, I think, in this game. Um, yeah, Hazelwood, victim of the ring of fire. They kept going on about the lights. It was tough to see, so that could have been the reason there, but um, no catch is actually easy, really, in my opinion. I think mentally you're always a bit nervous with, with those, but um, yeah, you would have expected to take that one. But then, his, yeah, I think the, the ability of him to bounce back after that 
and his ability, like him and Cummins, I thought do it really well in this this tournament, bouncing back after getting hit for four. Every ball mattered to them, whereas you saw what could happen. It's like with Mitch Stark, it goes the other way, and you chase more, and that's when the batters get hold of you. Yeah, um, you go away from your plans that you've stuck to for so long that have got you there, um, and. Yeah, the game can go the other way. And poor old Mitch Stark could have had Williamson out on 21, gets through Hazelwood's hands, goes for four, and his night is not not the best. But um, Hazelwood has turned into one of the world's premier T20 bowlers, and he, he was a very, very good red ball bowler, but he wasn't in the Australian white ball team. He's obviously gone away, worked incredibly hard at his skills. He's gone to the IPL, and he's worked on things in, in a pressure situation, in big games. And in this tournament, he was one of the world's premier T20 bowlers. And that, to me, is an example of a guy who isn't satisfied with where he's at and is hungry to keep learning, keep trying new things, keep challenging himself and keep getting better, which is so good to see. Yeah, he, well, he was left out of that last World Cup, the one-day World Cup, wasn't he, the squad altogether, which he even said publicly that, that hurt a lot. So for, to, to put that aside and go and... Um, develop new skills um, and be hungry to, to get back in rather than that you can just sort of go, oh, maybe I'll just play test cricket then um, and just leave it at that. But this day and age, T20 cricket, it's where the money is and players want to be better at it um, to, to play more of it. So, And his execution has been phenomenal in test cricket all through his career. He doesn't miss very often. So I think that's, yeah, credit to him. And obviously, tall guy, bowls at good pace, he can hit the pitch hard, but he's developed things like knuckleballs and slower balls and Yorkers, which is probably things he didn't have when he was a bit younger. Now, moving on to Australia's probably bowler of the tournament, Adam Zampa. He finished second in the most wickets in the tournament behind Hasaranga from Sri Lanka. I know you're a big Zamps fan, but again, last night, he showed his sort of um, value to the Aussie team. Yeah, I love how rare he is as a as a character i think that is so valuable for a team um i think previously in my opinion um the you look at the australian team they're always like big dogs bit stiff yeah don't give the media too much and um i just love how zamps is out there having fun all the time and he has such great energy with the ball with the field he always brings it um and then he'd be so good in the change rooms to him take a bit of pressure off and lighten the mood. Um, but for a leg spinner, well, his execution is as good as it, you'll see. Um, and yeah, he just backs himself. I think now he's in just such a good headspace and whatever happens, happens, I think. And he's accepted that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have embraced his rareness, which is good because everyone should be comfortable being themselves as long as they're respectful of their teammates and their culture and whatever then yeah i think it's great to be yourself and as you said zamp sort of changed the game every time he bowled yeah absolutely his impact was he slowed the run rate or they had to take a risk at the other end and that brought wickets or build pressure yep so 172 at the end of the new zealand innings personally i thought that that might be enough on a used wicket commentators were talking about how's a used wicket however we knew that the team chasing had won nine out of nine games on that venue. What were you thinking at the halfway stage? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was a bit iffy as well. I, watching the power play, I thought one fifty would actually be a tough chase. Um, but yeah, like I thought that was seriously good under pressure from New Zealand to actually get that. Um, and I was very concerned 
Yeah. Yeah, well, def- definitely a good score in the final. 170 on the board. You'd probably back New Zealand to win a lot of those games. But yeah. for, for me, I thought that if someone, if Australia were to win, it wouldn't be 20s and 30s. It needed someone to stand up and get a big sc- score. And Warner got Australia started, obviously, after losing his captain and his opening partner, Finch, early. And then Mitch Marsh. Wow, Mitch Marsh, our friend here at Cricket Mentoring, um, a great guy who's been in sort of uh, a lot of had a lot of stick over the years, and, and people have given him a lot a hard time. But he's such a lovely bloke. But to walk out and first ball against um, Milne, who's bowling rapid, and just pick him up and hit him twenty rows back. Wow, what a what a statement that was. Yeah, that just baffles me every time. Um, watching a lot of the batting of this World Cup, you just look at it and go like, that's just next level. But yeah, he is just in such a clear headspace at the moment um, you're right he cops so much crap from the media the eastern states and all that but he stayed true to himself as a person I think he was number one like he, and no one else around him ever doubted him in the change room I think that showed in this Aussie team they all really celebrated each other's success and I think like pre-tournament Maxwell was saying that Mitch is in hitting as good as anyone ever so um yeah, they're all backing each other, and I think that showed that they, towards the back end of the tournament, um, after taking more risks and taking the game on more, they build that confidence. And Warner and Mitch were um, no exception to that. Yeah, well, Mitch, he spoke afterwards about having a presence. It's something Marcus Stornis talks about, and he's a big guy. And I think big guys should have a presence. They should look to hit the ball hard and use their height and their strength. And he obviously walked out with a positive mindset. He keeps things simple, he stands still, he fully commits to every shot. But guys, if you're watching or listening to this and you're you're a young player, you can't expect to go out and hit your first ball for six. Mitch has put so much work into his game, years and years and years. He's around 30 years old, he's worked for 20 plus years on his game. And these guys have the ability and the facilities and the resources to go and do their range hitting every single day. Go and hit 50 balls out of the ground, whereas most young players don't actually practice that and then they have the expectation that they want to go and do that in a game but we've got a really um, big saying here at Cricket Mentoring which we've been talking about a lot lately train it then trust it and if you haven't trained it how can you trust it but obviously Mitch has trained against those Aussie bowlers against the sidearm against the quick bowlers in the big bash and whatever and he walked out and he fully trusted himself which allowed him to fully commit to his shots and and the results were, were shown. Yeah, well, clearly, yeah. He he even put red ball aside for the last two months to and just left that um, to just fully commit to what he's doing because his game was in a great place after um, Bangladesh and West Indies. Those two was there, and in tough conditions, he was able to adapt there as well, um, which I think is the biggest key. Adapting to each wicket, especially in this World Cup, they're all different. Um, and he's able to, yeah, no, it's just in some rare nick. And it's amazing, like, yeah, to, to say, no, I'm not going to play four-day cricket. I want to focus on, and he said in, his, in the lead-up to the cup, I've just been practising hitting every ball for six. Yeah. Um, because it is difficult to transition between formats, and, and a lot of the best players talk about that. Um, we, we're obviously very good friends with Josh Philippi here, and he's spoken to us about how hard it can be to transition from T20 to four-day and white ball to red ball. So Mitch has, has really had a clear focus of this is what he wanted to achieve, and, and to be put up to number three while some of the big dogs were, were not on those overseas tours and to take his opportunity 
He was left out earlier in the World Cup um, when they went for Agar, but he just showed everyone that that's where he belongs and, and his hard work, the hard work he's put in, I can't stress this enough, the fact that he's worked so hard at doing this, it's paid off and he walked out, trusted himself and he executed his plan. Yeah, I think from the listener's point of view and like playing grade cricket, it's not easy to do that with like a lack of pace on the bowling, of poor wickets, um, slower outfields, pretty big grounds compared to some of the stadiums even. So I think you, it, try and have a different perspective on it. You're not going to go out and actually probably be able to do that. It's really tough. Um, and try and figure out your best ways of being able to take the game on. And that, that doesn't mean trying to hit it for six all the time. There's, there's other ways of going about it. So I think, yeah, try and just yeah keep a different perspective on that. And manage your expectations, yeah. which we're going to be sharing some content on um, over the next few days as well. Now, we haven't really spoken about him, but David Warner stood up, player of the tournament. He went into the tournament under a lot of pressure, dropped by his IPL side. A lot of people doubting him, saying he was too old and he hadn't scored runs for a long time, but stood up and you said to a few people um, that the wicket last night you thought yeah. suited him. No, so I, yeah, I was one of his biggest doubters going into this tournament. I really, like I watched him in, what was before? Previous, the previous series or lead up games and all that stuff and it was, like he just looked in disarray really. Um, but I guess that there's a good lesson there that you don't doubt the, the best players in the world for a reason and his record speaks for itself. Um, yeah, this I couldn't help but think, uh, watching Warner lately, um, that the the slower wicket would suit him. He'd be able to get his bottom hand through the ball a lot more, um, which showed like anything back of the length of spin, he was sitting back and whacking with that bottom hand, or he was targeting mid wicket a lot with the for the pace guys. He hit some unbelievable sixes over mid wicket to Cal Corner just engaging his bottom hand and keeping a good base but um, yeah I think that was always going to be in his favour and he I think he took it upon himself to be the guy at the top to take the game on in the last sort of three games in particular and um, yeah he it paid off for well, Australia. And I think something that all the best players have, they stand up in the big moments because they want to be in the big moments. They're not fearful of the big moments. They're not scared of, what if I fail? They're like, bring it on. Let's have this. I can't wait to perform today. Yeah. I can't wait to take this game on. I'm going to be the man. I'm going to be the man of the match. So then they get themselves into a state of excitement rather than a state of fear and worrying about the outcome and, and what if I stuff up, which a lot of young players do. Our brain naturally goes to a negative bias and don't stuff up, whereas these great players have trained themselves and it's training, it's a mental skill where they say, I can't wait to play. And Warner, it looks like, as the games have gotten bigger and Williamson, in the biggest game of the tournament, stands up because they trust themselves, they put in the work and they want to be in the big moments. Yeah, um, and he clearly, as I said before, he had the backing of the guys around him in the change room. A lot, especially JL publicly, was backing him 100%. Finch did as well. Um, JL always said that, also said that Warner's as fit as he's ever seen him. And you can actually, you can see that in his face and that he's just in unbelievable form. He was running twos and threes like there's nothing in 35 degree heat probably um, in Dubai. So, yeah, I think that shows what you need to do to then go into the game and be confident in whatever happens.
like you're ready. And, and fitness is a choice and those that are hungry, those that want to be the best are the ones that are the fittest. They put in the extra work than, than others. Now, the three players that sort of dominated with the bat, Kami Lipson and then David Warner and Mitch Marsh, all very different players, all have their own method, their own style, hit different parts of the ground. Mitch is a strong guy, a big guy. He likes to go leg side. He likes to play off the back foot. Williamson took his t- Mitch hit his first three balls for six and two fours. Um, whereas Warner and Williamson both gave themselves a bit more time, took a bit sort of more time to get into their innings. Um, but they understand their own blueprint. They understand their best cricket and how they're going to go about it. We said that Kane had a bit of luck, um, which you need. But for any young batters, any young bowlers, any young players listening, you, you've got to sort of try and understand what your best cricket looks like. If you're a small guy, you're probably not going to play like Mitch Marsh. You're probably not going to hit your first ball for six in your next few for four and and absolutely have a presence and dominate. You might have to be the guy who runs it down to third man. You might have to be like Warner, like Reedy just said, and run so hard between the wickets and put the fielders under pressure. So it's really important, I think, to understand your blueprint, your best cricket, and therefore, and then try and go about your cricket and and create your game plan to play that way. Yeah, I think where you're heading there at the end was it's the hardest thing is fully committing to your blueprint and then sticking to that. And if it doesn't work one day, you still commit to it. Um, I think a good example, Mitch Marsh, the commentators kept saying, oh, he's like, he's been a bit lucky because a lot of land is short of the fielders, but then he's still taking the game on and committing to his game. Yep. 100%. And if he wasn't, if he was off commit, commitment-wise by 5 10%, he'd probably plinks them up in the air higher and they go, they get caught or something like that, you know? Yeah. So he's fully committing and that's, I think that's the biggest difference between them and not as good players. And for me, fully commit, full commitment, fully committing to your shots is about being willing to make mistakes, being willing and okay with getting out. Because if you're, if you're scared of getting out or you're fearful of getting out, well, that's what holds you back from fully committing. So I think that those guys sort of said, right, this is how I'm going to play. This is where my best cricket is. This is the, the method I want to play with. And then they say, if I get out doing it, that's okay. I'm okay with it. They don't go, oh, if I get out, oh, no, what's going to happen? I've got to change. I've got to, I've got to be something else. They say, no, this is who I am, and I'm okay with that. And that allows them to fully commit. Yeah, so fully commit doesn't just mean try and hit the ball for six. Either. That's committing to your plan as a whole. So you might commit to your defensive shot, or you might commit to those late cuts or whatever. And Running hard between the wickets. Reverse sweep. Maxwell always commits to his reverse sweep 100%. So... It's that sort of thing, yeah. And then what those three guys, Williamson, Marsh and Warner, all did as well was they targeted specific bowlers. It seemed like Williamson had a, a target for Stark and obviously then Maxwell and Marsh as well. Um, and then the, the Aussies did the same sort of thing. So it's 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 about identifying the moments. And, and again, they had a plan. They'd thought about things. They thought about who's my best matchup? Who, where do I want to hit those types of bowlers? Where are they going to bowl, etc.? And again, committing to their plan that they'd sort of thought about leading into the game. Yeah, and I think the Aussies have clearly looked to target each Sodi a lot, um, and they had a good matchup with Warner there with the left hand. I think that um, influenced the game quite a bit. And when he missed, they they make sure that they they took it on and took the chance. Yep, and again, things they'd practice, shots they'd practice, their targeting areas they'd they'd practiced a lot. They're not trying to do something they haven't done before. 
Um, but having the left hand, right hand was a big thing because New Zealand obviously had two spinners that spun the ball into a lefty. Stody can bowl wrongens, but generally that meant that there, there was someone hitting with the spin, which is always easier. And no doubt they would have spoken about who was targeting who and, and having a, a clear plan. So that that for us sort of summarises the two innings. Mitch Marsh, man of the match, can't be couldn't be more happy for him. But it seems the underdog tag um, has brought the best out of the Aussies. They they were in a, after getting thumped by England. Everyone wrote them off. Um, they were called sort of. There was a few players who were probably playing for their last games for Australia or playing at the end of their sort of. They're a bit older or whatever. So. Yeah, but everyone contributed and the Aussies ended up getting it done in the big moments. Yeah, I think it was good to see everyone in the lineup contributing and um, some, as I said, like some new characters sort of took centre stage for the, the country, which is quite refreshing from my point of view. Um, it's not just your Smiths and Warners anymore, it's everyone was, um, yeah everyone was taking the game on and getting it done. Yeah, and, and something that is underrated and it's something that no one can control, but you need a bit of luck. Like I heard this morning that Aaron Finch won six out of seven tosses and the one toss they lost was against England where they got absolutely pumped. And yeah. um, had the sort of the India maybe made it into the semifinals, maybe the thing, things are different. Had South Africa won by a few more against England, Australia don't make it on net run rate. So you need a little bit of luck. You need a little bit of luck as a cricketer, as a player, but as a team you need a bit of luck. And the Aussies just seem to have things fall their way, win the toss in the final, bat second. But you sort of make your own luck through your attitude, through your work ethic. And again, it's not something you can control. Yeah, that's it. And I think that, that luck sort of gave them this, a slight bit of momentum that they can then, towards the back end of the tournament, they came into their best cricket. Because um, I know that from what I saw in the warm-up games, and I was I was very sceptical as to how we were going to go. And they, a lot of guys didn't look overly interested and they looked a bit disheartened. And then I think one of the, my main points that I took from um, the team watching the team last night was how they all embraced each other and celebrated each other's success. All the chat after was um, how much they look like genuinely love each other as a group and um, I think you just you can't coach that. Um, I think to have that genuine connection is what makes the good team so good and they're going to compete for each other when it comes down to it. Um, and yeah, I, it's just so good to see it, like them having fun mm. again because I think that has gone away from Australian cricket at times and um, yeah love watching Stoinis and Zampa run out onto the, the pitch before the ball hit the rope I think that was one of the greatest moments um, I saw and uh, yeah I think that's what's going to win Australia over the most I think is them just enjoying it and being true to themselves being themselves and um Relatable. Yeah, being good people, having fun, and that the public can relate to. Exactly. Yeah. So that's pretty much it for um, for our chat. We Hopefully, if you're watching or listening on our podcast, you've taken something out of it. But I just thought we'd um, we'd sort of close it up with a little looking forward. The, the next World Cup is only 11 months away. Obviously, this World Cup was meant to be last year, I think, and got postponed. So the next World Cup is, is only 11 months away here in Australia. It'll be very interesting now that they've won the tournament. There was probably talk of Wade spoke about it. And could have been his last game. There was probably talk of a few guys moving on, but now they've won it. Maybe they they keep a similar spot. But to me, Finch has got to be under pressure. He hasn't scored runs for some time now. Even though he's the captain, he's done an incredible job. 
In my opinion, if he was to be left out, I think Mitch Marsh is the next captain and should be the next captain. He's shown he can perform in the big games. He's, he's now loved by everyone. He's got a good cricket mind. Um, I'd imagine Warner will hang on for a bit longer. Yeah, I think Warner in Australia, I think that'll keep him going. I think he want to finish off here and on the, the, the good wickets and yep. he'll still be good enough. I think the wicket-keeping spot will be an interesting one. Wade did a fantastic job, but whether they try and get Inglis or our mate Phil Flip into the side, they might get them in and just bat, and Wade stays down the order. I think Stoinis stays in the team. He's, he's in one, world-class, one of the best finishers in the game, which he showed a number of times. Smith and Maxwell will be an interesting one, both as good as anyone in, on their days. Smith didn't get too many opportunities in this tournament. be interesting to see if he stays in the squad, in the team. And then the bowlers, the three big quicks, the two spinners, no doubt Zampa will be there, but it'll be interesting. They've got Ellis and Richardson on the sidelines, Jai Richardson. Um, be really interesting to see what they do next year. Yeah, I'm pretty lost with all that. I could not, yeah. I, as I said, I've been wrong in the last month or so, so um, it's tough to pick. I'd personally like to see someone um, like Inglis bring a bit of energy at the top of the order um, to complement Warner. And then, yeah, obviously Josh... Philippi, I think there's no reason they couldn't play both of them. I think they can field. Both of them can definitely field. So um, through the through the middle there, maybe. Um, I, yeah, I can see Smith still playing that same role as the fixer guy. That goes up and down the order, I think. Um, the bowlers are probably the biggest question mark. I thought Agar was so stiff all tournament to not play more games. Um, he was, I think he was our number one ranked bowler, T20 bowler going into the series, uh, the to- tournament. So, yeah, their, their team balance paid off when everyone else probably didn't quite see it that way to initially. And, um, yeah. Who knows? We can't. So many uncertainties. Yeah, Time know. will tell. And cha- uh, t- tournament, World Cup winners, world champions, they might keep the same group. Who knows? Time will tell. But legends... That's enough for us on a Monday morning. We will get this podcast and video up very quickly. But thank you very much for watching and for listening. We hope you've got some value out of it, not just a reflection and summarising, but hopefully a lesson or two that you can implement into your game to help you become the best you can be. So go out, get it done, play with a smile on your face, be the best you can be, enjoy yourself, be true to yourself, and uh, get it done. Cheers, legends.